In today's good news story, we're taking a look at some selfless people who've made it their priority to share love and kindness with the homeless. A very warm good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you wherever you are in the world. This is the Good News Podcast, a platform for positive news updates on a global scale, brought to you by your lovely host, Muse Marumo. Every episode, I ask you to stop by my social media platforms to come say hello or to give me a follow just to grow this little community on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Muse Marumo. And of course, our beautiful podcasting community has an Instagram account of its own at positivepod underscore. I also love asking you to drop me some emails on positive news stories happening in your area or ones I may have missed out on that you'd really love to hear about and have me share with the rest of the community at podcastthegood at gmail.com. Thank you so much for choosing to tune in once again. If you're brand new to the Positivity Club, welcome. My ultimate goal for this little corner of the internet is to inspire and motivate, uh, if not at least get you to smile about something today while the rest of the world around us seems to fall into continuous chaos. For a couple of minutes while I have your attention, we forget about the outside world and focus rather on the good that's happening in the world today. And today, we're loving our neighbors, honey. Even the ones we tend to forget live among us. I guarantee you're going to smile about about these stories. I don't know about you, but whenever the weather seems to change in the slightest, one of my very first thoughts goes out to people who have less than I do. Uh, On this side of the world, we're going into winter. So uh, I'm definitely, you know, thinking a lot about people who don't have access to this and that. And I'm not somebody who comes from a lot myself, but I'm just the type of person who tends to do things like that. Um, I'm also the type of person to worry about a stranger who may have stopped me at some point in my day to ask for directions. And it will be like, oh my gosh, did they make it to their destination safely? Or did they get lost again? You know, little things like that. Um, if you've listened to any one of my previous episodes, especially the ones from season one of the podcast, you'll hear me mention a South African term called Ubuntu. And what that is, is the concept of working together in community to boost everybody around you. So not just one person winning, it's everyone winning because you are winning. Uh, in Zulu, they say, and that literally translates to hands wash each other. But in English, they've beautifully remixed that translation um, uh, into I am because you are. And that's pretty much the whole idea behind today's episode, uh, the theme, if you will. So I have an interesting but very alarming stat to share with you on homelessness in the world. A study by the University of Yale showed that about 2% of the world's population is currently homeless. I think they ran the study between 2017 and 2020. Um, You hear 2% and you might think, well, that's not so bad, but that's actually more or less 150 million people worldwide currently living without roofs over their heads uh, or food in their stomachs right now. Uh, The stats for people without adequate housing is sitting at an estimated 20% of the global population. Uh, That's about 1.6 billion people. Yale also discovered that the more our cities develop and grow, so do the numbers of the homeless. Um, At home in South Africa, you can find a homeless person on nearly every road. Uh, They're begging for money or for food or even for an opportunity for employment. 
And the even crazier thing is how, from an aerial view, sometimes on the internet you can find these images, uh, you can see how close townships where people live in shacks are to the suburbs. So it could literally be a river separating views of tiny iron structures from lush acres of green grass and well-spaced out mansions. My understanding is that I don't know about other countries where this happens, but in South Africa, that's mainly an apartheid thing. Um, And it's just recent developments post-apartheid that have sort of brought suburbs closer to the townships. Initially, um, from your township home, you would have to travel a couple of hours to get to the white areas, to get to work. So basically, I guess the whole purpose of that was the white people wanted you to have a valid reason to leave the township and go to the suburbs. It's killing us, I'm not going to lie, because on average, sometimes to get from the township to a a mall that is outside of your township, you'd have to be in your car for about 30 plus minutes. so unnecessary. But anyways... um, (laughs) That's a little fun fact about South Africa for you. Um, There are a lot of people doing the best that they can every day to try and give to the needy. Um, I know that there are initiatives here in South Africa that make blankets for the less fortunate every year on Nelson Mandela's birthday, um, which is perfectly timed because his birthday does fall in winter. I know that there are soup kitchens that go up. Um, There are organizations also who represent the homeless and ensure that their rights are also respected and of course some shelters set up as well for the needy. I think the thing that inspired this episode and all of this passion I'm pouring uh, into setting the tone for these stories that I have for you today is the fact that like I said we're moving into winter on this side of the world and before we started getting into this cold we had weeks of back-to-back rain and people losing their homes. I've also recently been angered by how some homeless people in our on our roadsides that I mentioned you know they're constantly getting bullied by officials when there's no place for them to go. And if there are places for them to go, like these shelters, for example, they're either expected to have some money on them for a night of comfort, which I don't understand because where are they supposed to get money from? Um, or they're not allowed to bring their pets with them into the shelters or whatever the case is. And I just feel that it's unfair overall. And I don't feel that a lot of people wrap their minds around the fact that literally nobody wants to live on the side of the road and be exposed to raw weather, to things like sexual assault or even bullying by police officials sent out by municipalities to kick them out because they're ruining suburban views and, oh, what will tourists think, you know? Um, Another thing that sort of upsets me is how at the start of lockdown, literally everywhere in the world, governments went and proved that they could provide for the needy, they could provide for the homeless, they could um, allocate buildings that nobody was using to the homeless you know these old hotels um i know that for us some boarding schools when kids were um sent home because of the virus some boarding schools were turning to hostels for the homeless to make sure that they were safe and warm and you know out of the streets to avoid catching the virus and all of that um Governments just chose not to, not to, you know, continue doing that. Uh, And they decided that they'd rather leave it to you and me to do something about it. Um, And the reason I I feel that they continuously do this is because 
people like us aren't making a lot of noise about it. And I'm counting myself in as well because I'm not someone who rallies people up for homeless people's rights. And I don't know of any organizations that do this sort of work in my community. And every time I do give to someone in need, it's from my own pocket. And then I carry on with my life like a lot of people might do uh, after a few days because I worry I, after a few days of worrying about that person that I helped like uh, uh, did they get something to eat again uh, it's raining where is their shelter things like that and then when I come across somebody else I feel called to offer a hand to I start the cycle again so I don't know exactly how to contribute properly to this course to try and make things easier for those who are less fortunate at this point in my life but I have come to learn that right now, at this point, my biggest weapon or the biggest thing that I do have to offer is my voice. Hence this episode and this lengthy foundation for it. And I hope that if you don't at least find it in you to physically help out after this, whether it be by continuously giving or finding organizations in your area that cater to this sort of problem, that you'd at least voice your feelings about it to the next person too. Because history has proven that when everybody bands together in a position, uh, in opposition for something, sorry, systems have no choice but to change. And hopefully we eventually get to a point where hoarding wealth and excluding the less fortunate becomes something we all frown upon because this world we live in has always been abundant. Our systems just chose to sort of hold certain groups of people back so that other groups could get a head start and then the winners went and forgot where they came from so everybody else also forgot that we're all running the same race ultimately and there's always been plenty for everybody uh, in this world to survive and be abundantly taken care of so um, that's just my two cents um, which I hope sinks in um, and resonates or inspires you in some way just gets you thinking <sighs> let's meet our community heroes finally so um, to start we have a 17 year old Lindsay Sobel who I guess shares the same views as I do about privilege not being a blessing that's equally distributed at the age of 12, Lindsay got to head down to the LA Staples Center for a basketball game. And seeing the number of homeless people in the area, she says, opened her eyes to an entirely different reality. And one of the things that stood out for her at the time and put things into perspective for her was how a lot of the homeless people either didn't have shoes on their feet at all, or they wore shoes that weren't in any decent condition. So Lindsay is of the Jewish faith and her act of kindness was inspired by her faith. Uh, the Good News Network wrote that for Lindsay's tikkun olam, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, uh, for her tikkun olam in 2016, uh, she came up with a charity organization called Shoes for Souls. And what they do is they are an outreach program rather that collects and distributes shoes for the less privileged people of Southern California. I learned while doing this uh, research that uh, Tikkun Olam is a part of the Bat Mitzvah ceremony, which has to do with getting young people to play their part in repairing the world that they live in. I think that is a, it's a beautiful thing to have, you, you know, your faith centered around. I love that. Um, 
To get as many shoes as she possibly could, Lindsay reached out to her classmates and her friends for help and also organized a shoe drive at her summer day camp, getting her peers to compete to see who could bring with them the most shoes for charity. Of course, COVID-19 came along and affected everything, including Lindsay's shoe drive. But like everyone else who turned to the internet uh, during this period, Lindsay used her platform to continue her shoe collection and has thus far, since the inception of her Souls for Shoes when she was 12, uh, re- relocated 30,000 pairs of delicately worn shoes to new owners who needed them the most. Whether or not she may not be aware of this, um, I also found out while doing my research that shoes play an important role in the overall health of people and it's quite obvious that homeless people don't have access to healthcare as it is so in more ways than just allowing them to have a bit of dignity restored to them by giving them good shoes Lindsay is keeping a lot of homeless people from having health issues in the future as well so um, big ups to her for that Uh, if you are in the LA region listening right now Lindsay does have a website for her passion project where you can give away your shoes which you no longer wear. They do have to be in good condition though, just a heads up. And I will leave all of that information in the description of this episode for you. Moving from LA to Chicago, a coffee shop is making a big difference for the homeless. Uh, Peter Thomas, who goes by Pilot Pete, has been behind a seven-year drive around Chicago collecting and giving away a whole range of necessities to the homeless in the city known for its wind and cold. The start of this initiative saw Peter Thomas convert a 26-foot truck into a pop-up coffee with purpose coat store and seven years later, Pilot Pete and his volunteers have been able to fill the store on wheels with toiletries, coats, blankets, boots, socks and a whole bunch of warm goodies for the less fortunate to look through and shop for, uh, free of charge of course, with the inclusion of course of coffee and treats because what would a coffee shop be without those key elements? When asked what things stood out for him this year during this annual drive, uh, Peter told The Independent that not only was he both surprised and pleased to find that a lot of newer volunteers were kids, but he was also happy to see that COVID-19 had a lot of people realizing that there were bigger things to worry about than their individual selves. Um, In speaking of the people he's dedicated his time and resources to helping, the people that are stereotyped, uh, even by some of the newer volunteers that get on board to help the cause, uh, Peter Thomas said, and I quote, "Uh, You never really know where someone has been or what they've been through before meeting them. With the homeless, we treat everyone the same or equal. Wouldn't that be the perfect way to go about things just generally in life? Uh, Not attaching labels to people who you haven't spared a minute for, you know. Um, I've linked in the description a petition you can sign to help keep Pilot Pete on the streets of Chicago and to convince the mayor of his services and that they are life-changing and essential to those who really need them. The signatures are looking amazing so far, but you can add yours and add your voice uh, even if you aren't based in Chicago. The best thing about the internet, I think, is how it makes the world smaller. Um, I keep realizing, sharing these stories, that suddenly, because of the internet, world problems become everyone's problems. And the same goes with solutions and changes. Um, Where there's change, eventually the rest of the world catches on and does the same. So with this, it's just one signature and less than five minutes of your time today. 
that'll make a big difference for these people. So if there's one thing you can do today to maybe add to your list of good deeds, <laughs> let it be this. Um, the petition, the petition, sorry, was set up by Peter's friend. So it's that important and that impactful. So you know that your signature isn't going to waste. It's not just some random person who said, hey, let's start a petition. Uh, it, it says that it's by somebody who knows him personally. So I urge you to please head down. The link will be in the description and make that one act of good service before the end of your day today. Last but not least, from the streets and off to Hollywood, a short while ago, around November last year, uh, we all heard of the passing of Jeopardy host Alex Trebek, who lost his life to cancer. Well, his suits, ties, shirts and other clothing items from the show have been donated by the show, of course, and by Alex Trebek's son, um, Matthew, as part of Alex's final wish as Jeopardy host after 37 years. It's mentioned by the deadline that on Alex Trebek's last days on set, he urged everybody uh, to open their hearts and hands to help those in need. So when he passed away, his son, along with the team who styled Alex uh, during his TV days, rounded everything up to form a pretty large inventory uh, of the following items. So there were 58 dress shirts, 14 suits, 300 ties, 25 polo shirts, 14 sweaters, 9 sports coats, 9 pairs of formal shoes, 15 belts, 2 parkas, and 3 pairs of dress slacks. So where did all of these items go, you ask? Uh, in 1985, a non-profit organization called the Doe Fund was created. And over the years, they've worked with the homeless as well as people with histories of addiction and incarceration and put them in a program where they ready them for their re-entry into society through vocational training, uh, continued education, etc. And then go on to provide them with paid work and housing thereafter. So Matthew Trebek came across this organization at some point and started supporting them. So when his father passed away and all his clothes were waiting for a new home, the Doe Fund was the first to come to mind for him. So president of the Doe Fund, Harriet MacDonald, spoke with gratitude of this contribution, saying it alleviated the obstacles faced by these groups of people that they helped. And when they go out into the world to search for work um, and better life, so uh, she also added that the guys in the program were rather thrilled to be able to wear items once worn by Alex Trebek. And I can imagine the added confidence boost that could be given to a person um, knowing that somebody that they may have looked up to or somebody that they may have, you know, grown up watching on TV has uh, in a way donated their clothings, um, their clothing to them. Harriet does confirm too that generally... Having good clothing donated to the cause does indeed boost the recipient's confidence and allows them to shine in job interviews and get them hired ultimately. Uh, so far, about 28,000 men have had the help of the Doe Fund. So that's 28,000 lives, lives changed. Um, Matthew Trebek himself has contributed to the training and wellness of Doe Fund recipients. Uh, the Washington Post mentioned in an article that in one of the three restaurants he owns, before the pandemic hit, uh, Matthew and his business partner used to let the men from the culinary program at the Doe Fund to come down and train in his restaurants as cooks and eat for free. Of course, he plans to continue on with that when things get better uh, pertaining to 
the coronavirus, saying that this is something he knows that his father would have wanted him to keep at. Uh, what a warm family uh, that is. Um, usually I wrap things up with a pretty bow of some final thoughts, but I think I covered quite a lot at the start of this episode. But what I will do, that I always do, is remind you to stop by my socials at Mismerumo on Twitter and Instagram and at PositivePod underscore on Instagram uh, to click on the follow button and to say hello. Uh, and of course, to drop me an email at podcastagood at gmail.com for some feel-good stories that you'd like for me to share with the community, no matter their scale. Like I said, the goal here is always to inspire you to do some good, even if it's just an offering a smile to the next person. I am aware that we're not all in positions to give generously, but the little you have to give is absolutely worth it. And be that a smile or, of course, clicking on the links uh, in the description to either sign a petition or to find ways to donate things like the shoes that you haven't worn in a couple of months that still look good enough um, if you are, of course, in the Chicago area of the U.S. For the rest of us, we have a petition to sign, please. Um, and um, to just go out and try to be better people to people who have less than us. So have yourself an amazing week ahead and remember that what you learn today, you live tomorrow and it's not always a bad day. Thank you for stopping by. Bye-bye.